You're listening to Novel Bound, a podcast dedicated to making you laugh and keeping you company. Each week, we're sharing all of our favorite books and the embarrassing side of life. Welcome back to Novel Bound. I'm Anna. I'm Celine. And today, we are finally, we've been wanting to do this forever, talking about Save the Cat. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And the reason why we're talking about it is because it's kind of like our way of explaining, I don't know, like how how we divide and go into books. And it also is really cool if you are writing a novel or you yeah. just want to understand the book world more. Yeah. It helps you it helps with understanding a book. And even like like Save the Cat was first adapted to help with like screenplays. Mm-hmm. And so, like it's kind of a universal thing now. But like even now I'll watch movies and I'm like, Jalen, what's the theme stated? <laughs> Every Disney movie follows this plot 100%. So we're just going to take you guys through it and discuss like what this book is. It's kind of like a recap for this book. So that way, if you don't buy this book, which it's like eight books, go buy it. And you want to have your world yeah. mind blown, go do it. I, um, but this book is going to be amazing. But I thought we'd start off like with, I like literally do not skip this. This is, this no. is a treasure. This is a very, the literal funniest story ever. Is, we're going to share our horrible pregnancy stories. Yeah. Moments when Selene we were. Has, Celine has one that could just top everything <laughs> I think I don't know why I think it's so funny but I tell my family this story that's how funny it is wait you told your family about this <laughs> yeah what? like why did like what did they say <laughs> they were dying laughing how did this come up? I'm almost like I want you to tell it because like what what like was funny to you about it oh I will tell you have to tell it because okay. no one can tell it like you okay <clears throat> so basically I'm just going to tell you guys about the time no I'm not going to describe it we're just going to jump in are you ready yep. Let me turn on my like personality. Give me <clears throat> set the scene for us, Celine. Okay, okay. So, um, I did not. I was not one of those people that when they got pregnant was like, uh, everything's glowing, everything's great. Like I vomited for like ten times a day, and I'm not exaggerating. For six months, like I got to the point where I would eat something and then have a popsicle, so that when things passed through my mouth. I didn't taste like that. And oh my gosh, at this point, Anna was like starting our friendship, which I didn't like realize at this point, but she was like bringing me doTERRA oils and fresh bread. She was taking care of my pregnant soul. I like, I I brought her bread and these oils and diffuser. And you were like, yeah, bring it over at this time and I'll grab it. And I was like, great. And I was like, we can talk and maybe she can like vent about how her pregnancy is going maybe. And then I like went over, rang the doorbell and nobody answered it. And I was standing there for like a couple minutes and then I just left it on the floor and I texted you and I was like, hey, I just left it. And you're like, oh, thanks. I'm laying down. I'll go grab it in a second. Tanner has this picture from my pregnancy where it's just like me on the couch. Like every day we'd come home and he would see a puke bowl on top of me. I'm passed out. Mm-hmm. And there's like two broken pieces of toast because that's like all I could physically like <laughs> survive off of. So I'm <sighs> It was not, it was just that I was so in Oh, my, yeah. I was, like, dead. But this was, I just, it's so funny because as we become closer friends, I think back to those moments and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, Anna was really trying and, like, <laughs> I was, like, completely oblivious to it. So maybe yeah, there in, the end. in your life, if you're listening to this, who's, like, really trying to be your friend and you have no idea. I'm all thinking I'm alone. Anna's like, but you're not. Just hang out I'm with here, me. I'm here, girl. I'm here if you need me. And she's like, I'm alone. <laughs> you can so much. Okay, so basically the first six months I had, I was puking and then I was great for a month. It was the best month of my life. And then the next month um, I decided, my body decided to give me lightning crotch and sciatic nerve. Lightning crotch, people don't know what it is. It's a real thing. Did you have it? 
I only had it like I it happened to me only like five or six times. It didn't happen very often. Describe describe it. It is literally like I it sounds so weird to say it, but like on your crotch, it feels like it's gonna like break open. Someone's jackhammering the crap out of it. Like it is the most intense throbbing pain ever. Yeah. You would just be like in the middle of a conversation being like, Yeah, I think that <gasps> Okay, I'm back. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's what you're saying. So, like, guys, I, like, physically was not a person for nine months. Like, Tanner's like, I don't, I don't even remember. Like, you don't even, you weren't even a person. So, you have to, like, just to keep in mind. So, and while this is happening, I'm still, like, shooting weddings and being on my feet for hours and stuff like that. So, I am, so I, I was 36 weeks pregnant. And also on top of that, I'm so emotional and exhausted and never feeling like I'm enough. Like, all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff. And I'm 36 weeks pregnant. We had just finished like doing some form of an event or I don't even know, like whether I, I don't think I was shooting a wedding, but it felt like that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And it was Saturday night and I knew that we needed to get groceries for Sunday because we don't go shopping on Sundays. And so I was like, okay, Tanner. And I turned to him and I'm like, I just need you to get these items for dinner. And the list was too long because this was baby Tanner. Baby Tanner, who did not know. Oh, Don't worry, he's there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was. Oh, like, I I can relate to that. So yeah. Much. And he was like, "Wait, you want this?" Like, da, 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 da. and so like he just asked me so many questions about like the simple in my head items that oh, I had. Yep. That he was like, "I just," uh, and I was like, "Okay, okay, fine. I'll go into this Walmart with you. That sounds great." So like keeling over, basically like waddling. Yeah, you can't even stand up straight. There is like my, so my torso is the size, like my torso is smaller than Anna's and Anna is like a a foot shorter than me. Yeah. And so like, for me, like there was like this seven pound thing or six pound thing. No, because there was a placenta in there. Seven pounds. Yeah. You get, usually you gain like 20 pounds. Yeah. And there's just this being inside of me. just like, and she was a demon. Like I love Adelaide, but like she was an independent woman in that womb, girl. She was so I'm getting like constant sciatic nerve pain, constant lightning crotch, constant everything. And so I, by the time that I was like walking into Walmart, I just looked at those cards and I was like, yes, please. You know those cards, the ones that go like, four and you have like yeah. And you have the perfect excuse to use one. Sometimes I'll see them and I'm like, dang, if I didn't look like I could be yes. walking around right now, I'd hop in one of those right now. And this is like it's like March, April in Idaho and March, mm-hmm. April in Idaho means there's still four feet of snow on the ground. Yeah, so it was wearing, still freezing out. I'm assuming I'm wearing like a coat. Like that, that's the only reasonable explanation for what's about to happen. <laughs> so I like waddle into this chair, this like, <laughs> why are you laughing already? I'm anticipating it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel so nervous. Like telling you this story. Really? Because- I'm sorry. Don't feel nervous. <laughs> I say it wrong. You have to interrupt me and tell it funnier. Okay. Like, please. Okay. Okay. Anna heard it like fresh. Anna heard it fresh from the source. So like fresh. Celine called me and was crying. And I was like, I, I'm so, I had to mute myself. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> please correct me if I say it wrong. So I'm like, I'm so scared to talk about this. I'm like, here's the funny part. Am I going to say it oh right? Oh my gosh. So, perfect. so I like, so I waddle onto this like chair, the one that goes like three miles an hour, not even like people mm-hmm. like, driving people go past you. Right. So I go and I sit down on the chair and I'm, this is the first time I've ever done it. I'm feeling so exhausted. Like I am yeah. vulnerable too. Like so vulnerable. so vulnerable. Yeah. So emotional. I'm so exhausted. I just want to get my groceries and get out. So I like sit down on the thing and this woman comes up to me. That's a worker. And she goes, um, those are for people that need them. And I 
like look at her and like in my tiny like the tiniest little mouse voice because I am not okay I just turned him like I I need it and then like I like Tanner Tanner like walks back why are you crying already oh my gosh because I can just be like um I need it and Tanner's always so oblivious he's just off trying to get things done he's like walking past me and like so like I'm sitting straight forward like on this thing staring out at the dairy aisle or whatever deli and then like he's walking in I think I've walked ahead of him so he didn't hear her situation Mm -hmm. but just as he's like walking past he sees me like say that to the lady and then I just look at him in like the eyes and just lose it and not just like quietly like tears streaming on my face like I was sobbing uncontrollably like I couldn't get it together and like once it started it couldn't stop and it didn't stop so now imagine that you're at Walmart and there's just this woman that is just like weeping uncontrollably on a wheel like on a mobile wheelchair going two miles an hour and I I like wanted to get away from her I'm so like I couldn't get up from the seat I'm already there I'm I'm dead yep you're down like you're I'm a dead best friend so I'm like freaking like moving this wheelchair and Tanner like beep 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 trying to back it up that's what I'm picturing (laughs) and Tanner goes oh no and he just sees me go I just am like but what's the worst part is is that like I can't go any faster so I'm just stuck uncontrollably crying trying not to cry but it's like making it worse because I'm like <laughs> like I'm just like <laughs> my face and I'm like doing the uneven breathing thing like I yep. can't and like everyone is staring at me because not only am I drawing attention because I'm on a wheelchair going one mile an hour it's decreased at this point but yep. like Tanner's like walking next he's like you okay and I'm like no no I'm not okay and I like turn <laughs> as fast as like I'm going as fast as I can but I can't I have to go all the way to the end of the aisle walk past people and then I turn into the knitting aisle and I just cried for like 20 minutes like (laughs) I couldn't get it out I don't know what was happening I was just so emotional and then like we saw people yeah you said you're like Tanner was wearing a jacket and he didn't even take it off he just put your head he like wrapped (laughs) the jacket around your like upper head (laughs) so like you were somewhat hidden (laughs) and you said you just like cried it was so horrible and like I saw someone I knew and I like pretended to look at the knitting so I was like oh gosh no one can see me right now oh my gosh like if someone sees me this is gonna be so embarrassing and I'm just oh like dying and the lady like so I don't know if she knew what she had done like I had probably to- not but I have just like it was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life like crying in public is already hard but like to be trapped mm-hmm. on a wheelchair at one and mile to not out. be able to get it under control like sometimes you know when you're crying you're like oh, okay you're like, yeah. yeah just save it till you get to the save it till you get somewhere yeah. safe to cry 100 mm-hmm. yes that did not happen that was no. not that was not the- oh that's okay I have a I have a similar story of crying while I was at work when I was pregnant oh. but I don't know if I've told it before have I told I this story before? before was it the Harry Potter shirts one right yeah yeah that was amazing. so sad that was an amazing story when you're pregnant things just hit different they were really more do. emotional and what's sad is like if like I and you probably too we were the first ones in our family to get pregnant and so our families didn't know how to like handle us or take care of us no no it was it rough was. and also if you want to listen to that story I literally think it was like two episodes ago yeah I think funny. it was the one right before Mary it was amazing it probably was brief, brief yeah. summary go. go off though oh I just yeah brief summary is that my dad 
Yeah, now that I'm talking about it, I definitely talked about this before. My dad was in London for some business and he was at the airport and he's like, hey, I came across this Harry Potter store and we have a family chat and nobody ever responds in the family chat. And so I responded to being like, oh my gosh, I would love if you could get me a t-shirt. And he's like, yeah, okay, I got you. And he sent like three, three options. And I was like, yeah, give me that one. I would love that. And he's like, I got you. He gets you. Yeah, this whole time, nobody else has said anything. I think Maria had been like, I would love a t-shirt too. And so he's like, okay, well, I'll get you a t-shirt as well. Anybody else? Nobody said anything. So I was like, great. Me and Maria, we're getting our Harry Potter t-shirts. Can't yeah, you wait. are. Love this, Brez. Yes. And then like a box gets shipped to, because he shipped them. He didn't want to have to find a way to give it to us. Yeah. A box got shipped and delivered to their house in Utah, which is where three of my siblings live. Mm-hmm. And there were three shirts in there. And I was like, okay, well, just like one of those shirts are mine. And my brother was like, no, no, it's mine. <laughs> and I was like, no, one of those is mine. And he's like, no, all of these three shirts are for the three people who live here. And I was like, um, I don't think think so. I'm the one who organized this whole thing. Like, if you think that one of the shirts is going to you, you have another thing coming your way because I organized this whole thing. And I like, I just started going off. And then to top that off, my sister, Laura, who lives down in St. George, got a package at her house with two t-shirts being like, hey, I don't remember ordering or asking for these t-shirts. And I was like, oh, I got them for you. And I was like, the mother freaking audacity. Like, I just started losing it because in my mind, I was like, okay, so all my siblings who didn't even reply, suddenly they get a Harry Potter t-shirt. I don't think so. And so I just like had to go outside and I was at work and I had to walk outside crying, sobbing and call my sister and be like, please, please just make sure one of the t-shirts are mine. I'm laughing. I like, I love that so much for you. And yeah. And then I got home and found a box of two t-shirts, one for me, one for Jalen. Your dad always had you. He had me. He had my bag this whole time, but I was pregnant and emotional. I didn't realize it. Hannah's dad. Paul, we love you. Thanks for having her. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I just feel like we need to talk about our friendships. I think they really blossomed during our pregnancies because Anna threw me a baby shower. Um, Yeah, and it was like a delightful one. It was at her house because Anna was the only one in our friend group to have a house. Like she freaking- Uh, Yeah, I was living pretty the high life. She went from her 500 square foot apartment with like one- like one bedroom, like so one bedroom, small. one bathroom, no water. Like it was teeny tiny. And for 800 bucks a month, she upgraded. It was like, I, I have nothing but fond memories of this house because it was so cheap. Like it's it wasn't a great house. It just was so cheap and nice. Like it was three great. Bedrooms, two it was bathrooms. so much better than anything we'd ever it had. Was like out in the country. I wasn't yes. near anyone. It was quiet. In the backyard. Yeah. You could see horses from her backyard. It was crazy. And so- I had floor ceiling windows in the living room. Oh my gosh. So like, and she decorated it so cute. Oh my gosh. Like, Thank oh you. my gosh. Some of my favorite memories, but it was amazing because Anna would be, we'd always just be like, let's all go over to the Jacobson's house. Let's all go over to Anna's house because Anna has the most space for everybody. And so Anna got to be like the queen hostess. And we were like, I love down to Anna. She's got the cute house. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. But um, I just remember, like, my house was the place where you hosted the baby shower, and you guys spent hours blowing up balloons so I could have this, like, yep. this shower. Like, I, it was so funny. Like, we had all these things, and then, like, some kid, like, someone brought their kid, and they Somebody tore- brought their kid. Like, I, so me and Chloe, we were really good friends at the time. We set all this stuff up, and she made, like, 
clouds and we taped like little baby balloons falling because it was a baby shower so like it was showers and like it was over a walkway and you had to walk through it. It was gorgeous. And some girl brought her little kid and he tore them all. Like he ruined it all. We were like, wow, thanks for bringing your kids. And I just remember watching and like being like, I literally can't say anything and they can't say anything. So like nope. we're all just sitting there. And like, the mom wasn't even doing anything. She's like, oh, ha ha. Like kids will be kids. And we're like, except for no, not because you know, you should be telling nope, your kids. Don't bring your kid to the baby shower. No. Yeah. There are times when kids are amazing and excited. And I can say this as a mom. I'm a mom. I'm not being judgy. I'm literally like, there are times where you have your kids and that's what it's meant to be. And then there are times where you don't have your kid because like baby showers are like the perfect excuse for women to get together. And yeah. To- like there's not very many options where you can be like, Hey, like I'm going to this event and I can't bring my kid. Oh yeah. I don't even know if it, it probably wasn't even her fault. She probably had someone else going on, but I was just like, Oh my gosh, homie. I'm sure. But we're allowed to complain. But yeah, no, you and Chloe like went so awesome on it. It was so amazing. Mm-hmm. And then like, um, I was just, I, my, one of my pr- prideest, my pride and joys is that, uh, I was like one of the first people you texted yeah. when you were pregnant. Cause I think I was like one of the, yeah. f- I was one of your like new, like you didn't have a ton of friends at the time that had had kids. I think I was one of like the only ones that had kids. So you were like slain. I hate, I'm getting really emotional this weekend. I want to murder everybody. Do you think I'm pregnant? And I was like, sounds like it. Let's go. So it was like so exciting and thrilling. And then I shot Anna's birth. She did. Flame filmed my birth. We need to post it one time. Just like so. I have to know. You guys even be interested in seeing that? I just think that it's so fun. It's so beautiful and emotional. And like, I just think it's cool because I made two versions. Mm-hmm. and it's like I've never done that for anyone else but I did it for you which is just just shows like how much I like care about you and stuff is like I did so we were there oh my gosh your birth story is so funny too I it think, is I'm like mad about it a little bit I'm like really it is so not funny. really I'm not really mad but I'm like of course that's how it would go down oh 100% it's so funny to me but no so but I just remember I interviewed all of your family members and they all made messages for Lincoln, advice for Lincoln. And now mm-hmm. he's older. And like, when he's like 15, like you can give it you to him. It. Yeah. You know? and we have that version, which like is so emotional because, um, didn't your Pepe had just passed away? Yeah. My mom's dad, my Pepe had just passed away and my meme came out to be there for it. Mm-hmm. And it was so tender. She was just talking to us and she like said something like, he was with you. He saw you before we did. Like you, you yeah. did meet him. And it was like, oh. I'm going to go watch it now. I'm going to go watch your <laughs> birth story and go cry. <laughs> cry I, every time I watch it. Cause you have to understand like, while this is happening, like, so I'm filming the birth and I'm editing it because I try to get them out to my clients like within a week, which by the way, hire me if you live in Knoxville. But, um, but like I'm editing this and I'm like crying while I'm doing it because you have Anna like pushing and Jalen mm-hmm. holding her and the music is so beautiful. And the music is like telling the story. It's spirit cold. There you go. In case you yeah. want to listen to that song. And um, then like while it's happening, you hear like those, the, like all of her family gathering around her, giving like advice and love mm-hmm. and whatever. And I'm just like, I'm watching it and I'm like, F yeah, we're all going <laughs> to You yeah. like messaged me and you were like, I got a little too personal about this, but no regrets. <laughs> I know I was like okay so here's a social media version that like isn't going to make everybody cry and here's your version and I just yep. remember I came over to your house you had just left the hospital and I was like are you ready for this like I was like I'm about to <laughs> yeah and you were just like hi I just gave birth thank you so I've much. just given birth would you like to hold my child and I was like hell yeah I do yes I do <laughs> baby with his cute little curly hair yep. I him, and I saw him enter this world you bet I'm gonna freaking hold him that's what I think I have this with people that I've like, when I've seen their births, I'm like, I see their kid and I'm like, I saw you 
take your first breath, you bet I'm secretly your godparents. Like, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> if godparents were a thing, you would 100% be Lincoln's godmother. Yes. Sounds good. Me and my sister have a pact that, like, if one of us dies, then we'll take the other kids. So, like, Shannon, which, to be fair, Shannon's getting the good end of the deal on this, but, you know. Shannon is getting the good end of the deal on this. She has twin boys, my sister. But I like that idea because I'm, like, none of my other siblings, I don't think could, ha- like, they are, none of them are parents. So I'm, oh like, I wouldn't trust a single soul. So, Anna, if you want that, too, since Shannon and you probably won't die at the same day, like, I could probably handle it. <laughs> so if you want to, like, swap oh, kids, like, if you guys die, we'll take your kid. Your mom would be, like, what? And I'd be, like, shh, shh. Like, shh, shh it's all worked out. <laughs> You can take them. Um, it's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> so funny. I'll th- I would take Lincoln any day, any day. Oh, yeah. oh, he's so cute. I'm like thinking, yeah, I'm like, I'd probably do that deal with either my sister, Laura and her husband, Hayden or Maria and her husband, Thomas. Oh yeah. 100%. Now that Maria's all married and stuff. I'm like, yeah, Maria could do it. Maria could do it. La- Laura, you could too, if you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. You, you all would be adequate. I would they would sure. all be adequate. Except for my mom would fight every one of them to the death. I would just... I would just be, I would figure out a way to insert myself into you guys. I'm like, I know Anna's gone, but I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, and as the best friend. As I'm the best friend, I will be here every summer to like take Lincoln to the movie. Yes. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, now I'm getting sad. Okay. Back to pregnancy stories. Uh, yeah. So it's great. I have a lot of like puking stories, but I think I'm going to save those for another time because we got to get down mm-hmm. to save the cat. Yeah, we do. Okay. So yeah, on to save the cat. Yeah, now that you've heard a lot about our pregnancy and um, how wonderful and joyous it is, there's a reason why I'm not pregnant yet. (laughs) Honestly, my pregnancy wasn't the worst. Like, it was pretty manageable until about, like, 38 weeks, and then I was like, get actually, at 30 weeks, I gave birth. Until about, like, 30 weeks, and I was like, get this child out of me. Couldn't do it anymore. I just remember looking at you and being like, it's okay to complain, Anna. It's okay. You can complain to me. I I will be that friend. Slowly, I was like, okay. I hate everything. I can't sleep. This baby kicks all the freaking time. He has the worst hiccups. My freaking back is killing me. <laughs> Do you remember like when I was um, a mom or when I was pregnant and then there would be like other girls that were pregnant with me at the same time. And they're like, I was like, isn't this hard? And they're like, no, I'm actually loving it. Like this, I feel like I'm people, better. People, I, I'm like, I don't care what you say. People who are like, I was born to be pregnant. I love to be pregnant. It is so enjoyable. I'm like, you're lying. You are bald face lying to me right now. And I, I, you know what? Fine. I don't have to call you out, but just know deep down, I know wow. that you're lying. I love that. No, it's so true. And then I just like, whenever I'm talking to a new mom and she's like, you know, I'm just going to do this like this way and this way. And I'm like, kids are so much easier. Kids are so easy to raise when they're, when they're like not existent, right? Like they're the best. Like I have the best non-existent kids I've ever had. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, great. You're the best mom ever. You really are just, okay, now I'm I saw something earlier that was like, um, people are supposed, like, people who don't have kids are supposed to think that they can raise their kids better. That's how, like, the, that's how life continues to go, because they think that they can do it better than other people, so they have kids, but then wait, they realize they, they freaking can't do it better. It's impossible. Impossible. That, or it just has to, like, you have to wake up, and, like, the, that your child is the sun and the moon and the stars, and you, like, live for it, which, like, by all means, be a, be a mom, and, like, go for it. Like, if all, if anything, like, good, raise, raise, please raise your kid better than I'm raising my kid because like, then your kid will be awesome. Like, let's go. But like, I okay. want to be that person who is like, my world revolves around my child. And my, my world really does revolve around Lincoln. Like he is, we have no choice. Let's be real. He is my, you know, he gives me life and I love him so much and everything I do is because of him. But at the same time, I'm like, I, it's just who I am as a person. I can't exist as only a mother. I have 
to be something else as well. What has it been like? What has it been like for you though? Like um, finding your identity. I feel like you've done a lot of that over the past. I I totally have. I, this is like Celine had her dark moment when we were doing like the questionnaire. Like I, my, my dark night of the soul, my dark, my like dark moments were like, after I had given birth, I, I just didn't know who I was anymore. I had no identity. Like I remember going to this doctor and he was like, if your friends and family like described you as a person, like what would they say? And I was like, I don't know. I maybe they would say it was nice. I'm a mother. And he was like, okay, but who are you? Like you're a mother, but you can be other things. And I was like, I don't know. So I had to like totally find myself again and like get my hobbies back. Even if it was just reading or talking to like it really started because me and Celine started calling each other and being like, hey, like let's talk for three hours and like be yes. friends and exist outside of the world like to each other. Hey, you're staring at the wall too while your kid is watching the TV. Okay, I'll yeah. uh, let's just another thing too though is like you so Anna Anna gave birth and then like yeeted out of Idaho like very quickly yeah I gave birth it was like oh we were going right into winter I gave birth in September Mm. and fall is my favorite season and so I was recovering and I couldn't do any of the fall activities like I remember Celine you took me to a pumpkin patch and it was like the light the light of my like whole month (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) yeah and so like I couldn't do any of the fall activities I wanted to do and I didn't like I don't know, Jalen. So I gave, I'm no joke. I gave birth, um, came home and three days later, my husband went to his last semester of school and was doing uh, like 18 credits. So I was just like, we were just totally surviving, just on surviving mode. And I remember I was so excited that you stopped working because you were working on stuff. And then I was like, so you're not going back to your job. You're like, nope. And I was like, want to hang out every single day of our lives. You're like, yep. And I remember we like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like it was like hooky because I was like done with weddings at that time and I was like Anna <laughs> yep we hung out all the time it was this is so our, this is could be. and then you moved and I was like I freaking moved Ugh. never yeah. gets moving moved to Utah to be closer to family and it was totally worth it but, but yeah. I didn't have that that you didn't have you had your routines you had your places you had those things and then you just didn't have those support systems that you have and mm-hmm. um I think that's really hard and so I don't know if it's really I think like I don't remember the first six months of Adelaide's life because I it really is like like I was not okay. so overwhelming how do you like you're going off three hours of sleep every night yeah you're trying to take care of a child and nobody tells you how to take care of the child you just go home when you have this child now and you oh my gosh that's the most terrifying moment everything when yeah. they like give you the kid and they're like okay here you go and you're yeah. like great and then your mom's like okay so do this and I'm like okay never mind get out I'm what my own kid. like don't tell me what to do <laughs> like tell me what to do but like don't tell me what to do but like I Tanner was like I just one of my favorite memories ever is like he comes home and we bring her through the door and he takes her out of the seat and he like holds her and she's so tiny in her little hand mm-hmm. he like brings her into a room and he's like holding her like Simba oh. like <laughs> And he's just like, <laughs> so cute. He's just like he's so little, and I have this picture, and it's like one of my favorite pictures in my whole line. Like, one of the questions I ask my clients is like, "What's an image that? What is a picture that you would pay anything for? Like, what? What is a not like? What is a memory mm-hmm. that you just will forever have that you like? That picture is worth a million dollars. And so that's like how I get to know my clients and who they are. But like for me, that's that photo is like seeing Adelaide and Tanner, and like their the start of their friend, their relationship was like. Oh. That's- but then he was like, he looked at me and he's like, how do I do this? How do I do this? Yeah, am I holding it right? 
<laughs> I Tanner changed his first diaper and it was Adelaide's. And I remember like being strapped to a thing because I had a C-section and yeah. Tanner, like shake. He's like, so you want me to change your diaper? And the nurse is like, yep, just like wipe her butt. And he's like, okay, so, um, um, okay. Like he like had been right? a father for like 30 seconds and he was like, okay, so she just poops. So like, what do I do? And he's like holding her and the nurse is like, you just have to take her. And he's like, okay, well, what do I do then? And I'm just sitting there like high as a kite being like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god the first like three diapers we ever changed for Lincoln we put them on wrong and he peed through all of them I was like this is great <sighs> okay so back to save the cat I know right back to save the cat after <clears throat> that uh tangent I was you know, ready motherhood it really is the most like essential thing I'll ever do and I know that like my kids are my whole life it's what I was it's what I'm here to do but like if you ever, if anyone listening to this is ever like struggling, four kids, one kid, five kid, mess, hit us up, girl. Pet goldfish. I mean, you let yeah, us know. Right? Hit us up because we know what it's like. We've been there and everyone has. Not enough people talk about it. So we can even like do an episode if, like, let us know if this is something that you actually are interested in. But we could totally do an episode just on motherhood. And like, yeah, we did the Ask Us Anything um, episode. And like, it's one of them. We get DMs almost every day about those conversations. Yeah. And like, what we went through and like things like that and it was a really deep conversation and I think like if if we obviously we're always going to be talking about books we're always going to talk about those things but like part mm-hmm. of it is that this is supposed to be a comfort food like you're, we want you to feel not alone so if we want to yeah. do an episode about motherhood or learning things the hard like we would love to do it you just gotta let us know yeah we don't know what you like let we don't know in the dms okay honestly the cat <laughs> we me and Selena are obsessed with Save the Cat. And actually, Celine introduced me to Save the Cat. Um, and my life will never be the same. It is the most fascinating thing to me to know. So basically, what Save the Cat is, is it's called a beat sheet. And so typically, this isn't for every single movie or book ever written. You will have three acts, right? Beginning, the middle, and the end. And within those three acts, there are, um, I just call them like the beats. I don't know if there's like a better word for them. But... Um, yeah. And so we just want to go over like what the beat sheet is and like what like you'll see more of. And I mean, like if you could see me right now, I'm holding my save. We both have our books. Yes. Look, and it is tabbed up like no other because I've, I've just tabbed like there's probably in fact, I have it saved here in the back. It's on page um, 281 something. Because I'm going to go there. It's everything. So it's like how many are there? You've got like one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, yeah. Seven. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 beats. And within there, within that is like little, you know, like. We're going to have like some visual aid for you guys. We're going to like post a picture of this. We will post a visual. And I, this is like one of the posts will be like post for our new episode. Because this is for Patreon. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's for Patreon. I'm, that's another thing too is like, so I went to college for videography and I took a screenwriting class and this book is originally created for screenwriters and it's by Blake Schneider who actually wrote the movie um Blank Check like from Disney Channel like you know that like amazing movie yeah it's super old his kids finds the blank check right Mm -hmm. and he like has like a million dollar house and he like does you know what I mean yeah so um it's based so he wrote that movie and he's also done just a bunch of stuff and it's amazing all of his stuff is just so good that when you are the reason why we're talking about this is not because we're like let's just dissect this book but because it is life-changing if you want to write a book if you want to understand the reading world better it helps you understand oh my gosh like different characters and the choices they make and you're like well they have to do this 
because eventually this is going to happen. And so this is a good excuse for this to happen. And, and it helps so much with plotting out a story. And it also helps a ton with understanding character motivations, understanding what drives people, understanding formulas and how to like go forward and stuff. What other things does it do? Um, it also helps you with pacing. I think that's the biggest thing is yeah. understanding, okay, so from this page to this page, you really want to focus on this. This B story is really important. So it analytically dissects every single movie that ever, like you will never watch TV ever again or, or a show or a book. I remember when we were reading Lori Forrest's book, do you remember how I was like, I think this is a five book series. And you're yeah. like, oh. and I was like, because this is a false hope. And I, I'm like, this isn't, I was like, uh-uh, no, no, this isn't right. Something's wrong. Like, I was like, this is right. not a trilogy. I was like, I don't think it's a trilogy, Anna. <laughs> I don't think it's a trilogy. And lo and behold, the third book, and we were like, nope, definitely not a trilogy. And then we asked Lori, like, I was like, there's five books, isn't it? She's like, yes. And I was like, I freaking knew it. Except for if there was a thousand books, I would read them. This is, every episode is an ode to Lori Forrest. What is happening? Lori, we are obsessed with you and we love you. But the reason why we bring it up is because we talk about it a ton. And I think that if you want to be like an elite podcast, like novel bound podcast listener, then you're going to get all of our jokes and references to this because we reference it probably like 20 times an episode. Like we're always- We do reference Save the Cat a lot. Because it's such a great way to understand a book and it's really fun to like, fun to read. It's really cool. So Jessica Brody- has redone it for how to write a novel. So it's yeah. Save the Cat writes a novel and it's just about writing a, a novel. And I, yeah. it's amazing. So do you she goes know? through all the different beats. And then even on top of that, she goes through like, um, so the examples of certain books, beat sheets with like, so like you've got the, like who done it, you know, the mystery and then dude with a problem, which is a guy who's just a normal guy who rises up to the occasion. And then you have the chosen one, which is like Harry Potter Mm-hmm. And then they're like, um, join him, leave him, or take him down. So it's like an individual coming into a group, you know, choosing how they interact with that. And it's, I just think it's so fun. So we have examples of all those beat sheets. Oh, yeah. And we have the Harry Potter beat sheet we want to talk about. But for all of that, we actually have to talk about what the beat sheet is in general. Yes. And I think we should also first start off with Save the Cat. Oh, gosh, with this bird. Save the Cat. Like, what is Save the Cat? Like, what yeah. is, so why so, is it called Save the Cat? It's called Save the Cat because every heroine or main character needs a save the cat moment you know whether it be it just makes them relatable and likable as a character and so like they're save the cat like what's a good example of of save the cat moment okay so for example um here's like what i would say is that i'm trying to like not repeat the same thing that you're saying so i'm like trying to be like don't repeat Anna's amazing sentence so when you start off a book, like your character has to have an external and an internal struggle. So like externally, Harry wants to get like through school and internally Harry wants to be liked by, by, by people. Right. But like, um, or like, for example, with, Oh, up, up's a great example of this. Like the movie up. Yes. So he's like a grumpy old man, but like, he has that beautiful save the cat moment where he's just like such a good um husband to Ellie and stuff like that that that's your save the cat but then like you understand him so you're rooting for him because you saw who he was so save the cat can be anything it's just some it's an act of redeeming thing if you followed us with dance of thieves it would be the juggling and oh my gosh the save the cat for Jace was 100% um him with his nieces and nephews or oh, sorry right. no siblings younger siblings and so just Jace plus a child equals save the cat um but yeah I'm trying to think if there's save the cats are so important because they like everyone has to have one if you want them to be a redeemable like a likable character yeah and like 
I think it's really important to figure out what they want. And like Blake Snyder talks about, gosh, we're about to get really nerdy. I'm like, I can feel like my nerd. Well, I'm like, I'm like, rise. I'm like, we could talk about rise and save the cat. Cause I'm like, I think that his save the cat was, um, yes. Feyre. Definitely. Yes. Go, go off. Oh, just like, well, I think that his, like, I'm sure he has other moments, but I think his biggest save the cat was, um, when Tamlin is, you know, he sees Feyre for the first time under the mountain and he can't, he doesn't actually save her. He just kisses her. Like he doesn't oh, yeah. rise up to the occasion and rise and sees this. And he's like, you mother effing idiot. And he's like, okay, now I have to, I have to fix all of this. And so he has to put his hands all over her body and kiss her yeah. to protect her. Cause like, she's his. And so like, I think like looking at that from objectively, you're like, no, like that's a crappy thing for him to do, but no, he's saving her life. Like mm-hmm. that is as his big save the cat moment. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. My save the cat for Ryzen was when he taught her to read. Oh, in the second book, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's like grumpy and like so mysterious, but he taught her to freaking read, and I'm like, I know. And she's like, well, what are, what am I supposed to do this week? And he's like, for this week, I think I'm gonna have you learn. You're, we're gonna teach you how to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, um, but yeah, so like when you're starting, like you, it's really important to like have a save the cat for the character if they're unlikable. That's so important. But um. There's like, so like in the first chapter, we're really just like talking about like writing a book and like why we loved this book and stuff like that. So it's really just us pretending like we know how to write books because we've clearly written the book. But I will say that Anna and I are like, how would you explain what we're doing right now? We're very casually, 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 both each writing a book. And like, that's like, yeah, like, I mean, in a couple of years, maybe like our dreams will come true and like these books could one day be published. But like, we're mostly just doing it for fun because we love like I just love I personally love planning out the beat sheet and like figuring yes. out what each like motivation for each character will be and why they do the things that they do yeah. it's so level. incredible I just like experiencing a new world like it's been yeah. so fun to like to challenge and, and get something outside of me that I never thought I could and so as long as it stays to the point where I'm just like creating for fun and it's just like mm-hmm. and like and it's like, then I'm just going to keep writing until yeah. it's done. But I mean, I would never, I could not be a write on Instagram being like, okay, so today I wrote for, you know, 4,000 words today. Like I couldn't do it. Oh, it yeah. Like, I'm like, if anything, like maybe I'd write a duology or like, but I'm like, I'm okay with a standalone and just have to be like, and that is my one hit, but we might bring up our books and like how we yeah, are. We thought it would be fun. And just talk about like the beat sheet, yeah. talk, like topics of our books and to like, um, it just helps us understand like when we talk to authors and stuff yeah it helps us understand them like so much better because oh yeah a little minuscule amount of work we've put into it like yeah does not compare to the stuff they do but like yes it helps give us like an inside view 100 percent. so um we're, i want to definitely get into the beats but the biggest thing that you need is that in order for a when you start off with your hero they need to have a problem or flaw that needs fixing a want or goal that that the hero is pursuing or a need, which is a life lesson to be learned. So once these three, three things are there, then you're good. Blake Snyder talks about in his book that um, it should be like carnal in nature. So when you're thinking about it, food, like Hunger Games, like she just wanted to feed her family. Mm-hmm. Um, lust, which is a carnal need, which is like a huge motivator for stuff. Hello, Jack and Rose. And then, um, yeah, so there's just like, you want to like start off with the with like as flaw, as much as you need to do it, and then it can be eloquent, mm-hmm. right? Like Percy Jackson just wants to like freaking live, like not. He just wants to have a good time. He just yeah. wants to stop being chased by the gods and live his mm-hmm. life, please. 
And then, um, do you want to explain the B story? So the A story and the B story. I'm like trying to get us like yeah. prepared for the B. I'm like, okay, so we've got our hero, and then we've got the A story and the B story, and that's where like things get. Yeah. So the A story is like surface level stuff. You read the back of the book. That's what the A story is, right? So like, um, in Caraval, the A story is that um, Scarlet has to go to Caraval to help rescue her sister Tella because she's. You know, like they get off this island and she realizes that she has to save her sister Tella. And so that's the A story. That's what you're given at first, which you're first introduced to. The B story is kind of like a closer look at everything. It's like the inner workings of the A story almost. I'm so like, like what, would Carvel's, what would Carvel's B story? Carvel's B story would it's be- about um, sisterhood. It's about sisterhoods and sisters protecting each other. But like the A story is about like them participating in a game. But the B story yeah. is like how one, what sister, what one sister would go through to save another sister. Yeah, exactly. That's mm -hmm. really well put. Yeah, like, um, but yeah, so it's really interesting. What's cool about it is that there's just so much, honestly, if you just read this book, it's there. But we can get, jump into the beat sheet. It's amazing. So if you're a plotter, like, go get this book. Um, but I even think, like, I'm more of a planter. Like, I, I plot very thoroughly, and then I get into the book, and then I'm like, oh, gosh, um, this is taking a very yeah. different direction. So let's talk about you want to do the beat sheet and we could kind of parallel it to Harry Potter to help people understand. thousand percent. Yes. Do you want me to, so do you want to stay on, what page is the? Uh, 150. 150? Uh, well, 150 is for like the, like in-depth review, 158 is the um, cat's eye view. Oh, perfect. And that's for Harry Potter. I'm just trying to find like when they explain what things are. Oh, um, starting. The oh, first I is 29, the opening image, act one. Okay, perfect. So what's going to happen? And so what's really cool about this is we'll just parallel what it is for each time. I was already there. That's what's so funny. It just takes a while. Okay, so for act one, it's really simple. Do you want to explain just like the pieces of it? And then we'll go into each detail. Yeah. So act one is like, so, you know, there's a three structure act for writing. Mm -hmm. um, so act one is mostly setting up everything that's going to be like it's exposition it's world building it's character mm -hmm. introductions it's like a lot of that stuff um like why motivations and I think even a catalyst is in the act one yeah we've got opening image theme stated setup catalyst and debate so yeah. the first thing that you're going to get is the opening image and so for Harry Potter what do you what was the opening image so the opening image for Harry Potter is um Voldemort has been defeated for now and baby who somehow managed to survive the attack the boy who lived is dropped off at the Dursley's house at Dumbledore's. So usually the opening image is like the first chapter or a, mm -hmm. um, not a blog. What's it called? I, I love it. I like to think about it as um like finding Nemo when like the mom, like the mama fish and the data fish. Yeah. So it's like a pre, what's that word called in the beginning of pre the book? Prequel. No, not prequel. Pre. <gasps> oh my I don't gosh. got it. No, nope. whatever. It's gone. Ago. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying it's fine okay but yeah so it's basically the point of the opening image is to provide a quick before snapshot of your hero in their world where does it go as one percent so for example in the movie 17 again um it's like when he like hates his life and he's like 35 years old and like he has he's like dealing with divorce stuff forever and he just goes like he's just man this totally sucks and i wish that i was young, like young again so like you are instantly entered into the world so for Cassie, it's like she's got these new people and she's having a great time uh -huh. and she's just like she's slashing, like, bleh, and then like, journey. she's found these people, this, yeah. Mm -hmm. Why can't I think of what they were called? Girl, I don't know either. I want to call them the Valkyrie and I didn't know that they're not called Valkyries. Nope. But nope. It's a good, uh, it's a good I'm no help. I'm no, I'm zero help. <laughs> I'm your dead best friend. It's fine. 
Okay, so then next is the theme stated. Yeah, and the theme stated usually is with like in a sentence. It's usually said by like a side character or like what's what's um okay, here's Harry Potter's theme stated. Famous before he can walk and talk, famous for something he won't remember. Can't you see how much better off he'll be growing up away from all that until he's ready to take it? The lesson Harry will have to learn in this novel and the rest of the series is how to deal with his status as the chosen one. Yeah. And it, when you like look back at everything, it will just make so much sense. But um, where does it go? It briefly alludes to the transformative journey that your hero will take and the flaw or flaws they'll eventually conquer. Essentially, the theme stated is the hero's need or life lesson somehow hinted at up front in the story, often by a secondary character. So somewhere in act one, a character, not the hero, will make a statement or pose a question to your hero that somehow relates to what the hero needs to learn by the end of the, st- of the story. And like in my screenwriting class, and the person that wrote, that taught my screenwriting class, she wrote Charlie, like the movie Charlie. Whoa. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I love her. We call her sister Gilbert. She's wonderful. So cool. I love her so much. But she, um, she really emphasized that like, this is what sets up that internal external struggle. So like- mm-hmm you know, that internal struggle for 17 again is that he wants, he really just wants to like have like the love that glory life again. Yeah. But externally he wants to not be 17 again. And he wants to just like, you know what I mean? Like he wants, Uh so that's where it is. It's the theme stated. And then after that, which the hero will always ignore always. Oh, always. It's all, it's always for the reader to be like, "Mm, that was a theme stated. That's what, I mean, we say it all the time. That's what I think is so funny is like, you can identify this in like every book. Like, like challenge okay this book what was this like whatever okay and then there's the setup which is like where it is and it's gonna be between one to ten percent that's like it's gonna take up the first tenth of the novel and it's yeah the setup is kind of like um letting you know about the characters before life like the world's about to change yeah and I think like it's so important because it builds into why the character needs that growth and like things like that it's a multi-scene beat meaning you get several scenes or characters to chapters to accomplish all that you need to accomplish in the setup and get ready because it's a lot you need to set up your hero what kind of person they are what kind of character tics do they have what do they want this is a great time for the save the cat like great yes. for it mm-hmm. um and your hero will always have to be actively pursuing something when the book begins and that's because it would be so boring if the character didn't want something exactly like so boring so so, boring. so sad i think the harry potter setup not i think i know that harry potter setup was his life with the dursleys and how horrible it was like he had to sleep under the stairs and he had to cook them breakfast and they were so mean to him oh yeah 100 i agree um and i think that's when you start to realize the things that need fixing which is like what she talks about and then the catalyst aka hagrid the catalyst is our the catalyst is all the fun parts is like when everything happens right so the catalyst for harry oh. potter is he gets this mysterious letter and you know he has to they're running away from it and then hagrid finally knocks on that little hut's door Yes, Harry's life basically. I'm like, come change my life, please. Come change my life. You're a wizard, Harry, and then the world, the wizarding world, was born, and it was amazing. Yeah. So, like, let's see. The catalyst probably for Farah would be killing that wolf. Oh yeah. Yeah, having Tamlin come and take her. Mm -hmm. And the catalyst catalyst in the second book was like when she got kidnapped by Rizand. Yeah. Uh huh. Because they set up the whole thing where like she didn't feel like she was like, I hate my life, but I'm just dealing with it anyways. But then when she realized that she could have something more that like that wasn't her life, then she was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, I know. I always remember um, the catalyst from uh, Oh my gosh, like the Victoria Avery's book. What's her name? oh yes mayor mayor when she falls into the arena 
yes. onto the like electricity field and like bounces off of it and doesn't die. Yes. Also that woman took, um, she went, to, she was part of the screenwriting program, like at her university really? in Southern California. And then she wrote that as a movie. And then they're like, you, this is so long and there's so much description and it's so powerful. Please write this as a book. And that's what she did. Really? I know 1000% that that woman has beat, like she beat cheated. Like I know oh, heck she, yeah. I know she well, did. I'm like now that her movies or now that her books are being turned into a show oh. on HBO or yeah. wherever. Cheating her world out. Like that's amazing. Living her best life. Yeah. But I love the catalyst. It's my favorite part. And I think that's the thing that gets everybody in the book. So like when you're reading the back of a book, it's like, blah, 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 lived a normal life until, and then that event is going to be like, that's what shakes it up. And now they're going to go on these funny adventures. Like, it's amazing. The catalyst is my favorite part. Yep. Catalyst are, the catalyst. And it can't happen too late in the book too. Cause that's really what grabs everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting for the catalyst of the bone cryer's moon. Hopefully I'll get more into it. Oh yeah. Okay. And then the debate. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the debate. So it shows how resistant. debate for Harry is, um, Go off, Anna. Going to diagonally with Hagrid and like preparing to attend Hogwarts and getting all of his things. And like, that's not like a typical debate. You know what I think it is. Yeah. When he's under the sorting hat. Because I know he's trying to debate whether or not he's supposed to be in Slytherin or Gryffindor, but he's trying to figure out if he belongs in the wizarding world in that moment. I think that that's really, that I like that. I think the reason it maybe isn't listed as a debate in here is because it happens a little bit later in the book than Mm -hmm. where the debate would go. But I think that that is a great debate. Because how I, it's because I literally just read this book, like literally like three weeks mm-hmm. ago. But I think, so Harry has like an extensive conversation with the sorting hat. And he even comes back in when he goes to Dumbledore's office, puts the sorting hat back on. I can't remember if this is in the second book or he's the like first bonnet, book. He's like, gotta be in your bonnet, Potter. Yeah. You would know. <laughs> you would remember. <laughs> and um, he was like, you know, do I belong here? And he's like, well, I think I did it right. But I think like when he's asking that, he's not asking if he belongs in Slytherin. He's asking if he's one good enough to become, be a Gryffindor, if he's courageous like his parents, but he's also trying to figure Which, out. Like that makes him good enough to be, like the fact that he wants to ask that makes him good enough. Eh, Harry, we love you. I love Harry. But yeah, so the debate is so important. And so like deciding whether to go. And I think like in my book right now, I think we're about, so we just had the catalyst in my book. And the debate right now is that she has this, you will have no context to this whatsoever, but just- We'll get to it later. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll get there. Is that she is trying to, she has her sisters that she loves to death and she has this town and she has a lot of reasons not to do it. But then if she does do, if she does go forward and do this thing, then like she could save people and she could make a difference. And she's also really excited to like explore something outside of herself that isn't just like her day-to-day life. And so she has that constant debate of like, I like I'm there for my family I don't know if I can do it but also knowing like what it is and of course they're gonna go towards the scary route which is so fun so fun that's where we enter into act two which is 20 percent in so like the first 20 percent is act one so to act two let's go yeah and then you'll get your break into two which is basically like leaving act one behind and entering into act two that's kind of mostly what so like that um for Harry, that's on the train. Yeah, I was going to be like, that's totally the Hogwarts Express. Oh, that Harry's yeah. first, like, like he gets to meet his best Leaving friend. Leaving the Muggle World behind, Muggle World behind, and entering <laughs> the Wizard World. Yeah, yeah, he gets the trolley. He gets to learn about Wizard chocolates. Wow, I was prepared for this. I was prepared for this. Like, when I'm like, I just read this book. This is great. <laughs> but um, no, it's 100% for Harry. Like when he goes to, I think that that is like a huge part for him. But it's 
it's really where you start to realize where it is. And the breaking into two doesn't have to be long. It's really just like, that's where the line, the firm line is when you're going through it. And then after that is the B story. And that's where we get to go into it. And that's getting like all the side characters. Like that would be Harry's and Ron's relationship, like meeting his friends and meeting Hermione. Yes. Because really what Harry's looking is just to be, to find his family and find love because he really just wants to find his family. Um, And it's super cool that he's a wizard, but for him, like finding Ron and Hermione and like finding that, that he belongs somewhere that he's celebrated and stuff like that is, is what he's always wanted and stuff like that so it's not that he's a wizard it's when when Hagrid is saying like you're a wizard Harry he's really saying you're loved Harry you have a family Harry you matter and like those people aren't for you like you're yeah like a lot in the B story too you're you're introduced to new characters like a perfect example is Ron and Hermione yeah like like some other examples that like maybe aren't so noticeable is more in contemporary like I we just heard the honeymooners and so I'm like the B story for the honeymooners would be um they're on the plane they're in they're in Maui they're just like hanging out yeah and they're like and introducing like the fact that she sees her potential boss there like her new boss there um and so basically what happens is you'll have things flipped on their head so act two is the upside down version of act one so everything in act two should be upside down version so the Dursleys are like cruel and horrible but then in act but then in act two all the people he's surrounded by the first Snape are like loving and wonderful and hilarious and magical and so that's like Peter Malark um is going to be like the opposite like in there or in Jane Eyre like you've got Mr. Rochester you know so it's just super fun um and that's when you get to the fun and games which is like the premise the premise of the book right it's the reason why people pick up the book that's yeah. the whole reason why people pick no, up like a magical school so it's harry learning and going to all of his clashes and pharah learning about the world that she's been introduced in and akatar and exploring the grounds and what else it's like yeah um i'm trying to think yeah a boil i'm gonna think Hmm, what's a book that i love well camp a camp for half-bloods it's literally like when you're describing a book to someone you're yeah, like it's oh. camp half-blood yeah, when it's a camp for, yeah, it's a camp for Olympian kids. Like, you know what I mean? So you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So that's where you, the premise of it would go. And that's what people read it for. And so that's when you get to just have fun. It delivers on the premise, promise of the premise of the novel and shows us how your hero is faring in the new act two world, whether they're having fun or floundering. So for Black Witch, you see um, Aloran is not doing well, like in, for an example, like she's, she's learning all this new stuff, but she's also like where she needs to like do there. And so like for Hunger Games, like they're in the Hunger Games. There we go. They're in the Hunger Games. Now she's got to go do it and stuff. And at this point, they're not like, they're not having like an internal, external crazy thing. It's just like, they're just discovering their powers. They're learning how to do all these things. That's in the selection. Like she's in the selection and she's flirting with the, with her little prince boy. Uh She's there with all of the girls and they're being catty towards her. And she's like, I'm just trying to survive you. And this is where like things start to go crazy. So yeah. like got the beginning and then suddenly then we've got, got the midpoint, which the is midpoint. like the literal middle of the book. And a lot like usually when the midpoint happens, it's like Roll in the dungeon. Like um like Harry wins his first Quidditch match as the midpoint, but like like it introduces just more than that because usually you'll have your either false victory or false um defeat loss false defeat which like which like at that point that's when you start realizing whether the book's going to end happily or not and if you are in the middle of a series and you want to know when like when the high points and the low points are it's it's starting to get there and like the good authors this is when I get really nervous when I get so nervous is I'm in the middle of the book and they're like yes we have won we've defeated this person I'm like oh no they're having a false victory or like um 
or like a false defeat. A false defeat to me is like better than a false victory because I'm like, I know that a real victory is coming after that, you know? Yes, 100%. And then you can get through it. Yes. Um. So like the false victory would be the Quidditch match and then the false, then the bad goi- the bad guys, the bad guys close in is where it starts to go. So about 50% of the book, you're now at the point where like shiz is about to get real. Right. Stakes, the stakes are usually raised. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and here, like for the Quidditch match, Snape's trying to kill them. So they're like, crap, now Snape's trying to kill what well, they, th- they think that Snape's trying to kill Harry. So, like, crap. Yeah. The stakes are raised. Things are a little more serious than we thought. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's so exciting. I love this part. And then the love stories will ramp up. If this is happening, then like, yeah. if in like the enemies to lovers, they'll start to see things about each other that are good, or they'll, they'll have to share that bed at the end. Or like, they'll, like, they have that first initial greeting of like, they've been entered into the world and then suddenly that's when things are going like yeah and like um to it too like it makes the care like sorry i'm gonna stop saying like Mm -hmm. it makes the character's choice to continue going on they can't go back to who they used to be like the stakes they've changed so much since that whole catalyst first happened yeah 100 um time clocks appear so like that's when like like you'll start to realize like for example like the vacation on and on, on honeymooners is starting to like come to a close and like they're starting to feel that pressure of like what's going to happen when this vacation's over um and there's usually like a plot twist or some of that or there's a big party a celebration or public outing so mm-hmm. that's really important um and so that's where you you shift from your wants to your needs so you start realizing like so the troll, the troll in the dungeon was a huge point for Harry because then he, which this might have been fun in games, but um, that's when they realized that they wanted to protect Hermione. Like, I feel like yeah, that's yeah. such an important moment for them. I don't know what the beat sheet says for it. And I don't really know where it takes place. Further into this. But I like feel like the troll was such an important moment for them because it was a start of Hermione and he started realizing like he has something inside of him that he can protect. And like, that was such a big moment for Harry um and that's when the bad guys close in yeah um but yeah and it says that often the midpoint is where the a and b stories cross meaning a story characters and b story characters intertwine or cross paths in some way so for me in my book she's got this world that she is now involving and like exploring but she also has her at home world and her sisters and her family and stuff like that and so when she um at some point which for me is this midsummer festival and when those in a cross, crap goes down. It's crap gonna be so down. much fun. I'm so excited to write it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Finding a hidden city. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, babe. Cannot wait to read it. I'm like, I always, I'm like, so um, I want to read your writing again. Can you just like give it to me? Because it's so fun to read Anna's writing. And I'm not saying that like Anna's like actually a really good writer. She was writing fan fiction as a joke like for TikTok and I was like actually this is really good like will you please write me more and she's like what and I was like I would read anything so funny. Oh. stop it continue I will, <laughs> I will. you just let me know and a story is really original too and I think that's cool so um so after the point you have the bad guys close in which is uh and Harry Potter it's when the trio learn about the Sorcerer's Stone and discover that Voldemort's after it so like it's kind of when crap gets real <sighs> yeah that's true it's like provides them a place to like rebound after the defeat or you know victory of the midpoint so Mm -hmm. like you're either gonna rebound from the false defeat or you're gonna um what is the word i'm looking for that's like it could be like a huge fight between friends yeah you're gonna like be on the upward slope 
that's the word yeah yeah, yeah 100 so like if you have the bad guys closing it doesn't mean that like the villain like ties everybody up and it's like ah but it starts to be like you are going to slowly isolate your main character from yeah. everyone else so uh, like in later harry potter books this happens oh when harry is so angsty in the uh, i think it's the fifth or no it's the sixth book when he's like no one's listening to me no one believes me and so he starts going on outings by himself wearing the cloak stalking draco and his friends are like bro please like just talk to us get it together yes 100 percent um no but that's like so the victory was false they only thought they won and that's when you'll start to realize like how much those so for example similarly in the hunger games even though katniss is still dealing with the bad guys at the capital things start looking better in the second half of act two she's earning some wins in the arena she forms an alliance so those are her victories but then when the bad guys close in she starts seeing like where things are going down so it's internal bad guys too so you're gonna see like when like i'm trying to think of like a book on this internal bad guys hmm. thank you internal bad guys well i always think it's like a fight it's like when everything's going great like in um oh here's a good example um the me before you oh with um yes Lisa and will which mm-hmm. that destroyed me i haven't read it because i know it destroys people oh gosh it's beautiful i like would suggest it is a beautiful story i'll give you that anyways um (laughs) this is what the book says so in me before you despite trying to convince will to enjoy his life she still hasn't done the same for herself louisa she still hasn't answered the thematic question what exactly do you want to do with your life she's still living the same unfulfilling existence that she was at the beginning she hasn't even broken up with her incompatible boyfriend which is played by the guy who plays neville by the way oh my gosh Um, in fact, just the op- uh, she had. In fact, just the opposite. She moves in with him. This is a prime example of Luisa's internal bad guys. Those flaws from Act One closing in and stopping him from making any real change. So that's an internal um, bad guys close in. Yes, I was gonna say too. Like um, in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, it's like when they're at that ball and they're like everything's so great, and then they have that fight when in the parking lot or whatever, and she's like, and then like they're all just going off and I'm just like you both are idiots just go make out in the shower again let's go but like (laughs) that's when the all is lost is happening and they are it illustrates your hero's rock bottom which is Anna's favorite part oh it is my favorite I'm wrong I'm sick in the head I don't know why but it is my I I don't know why I get so much pleasure out of it but I I just love I love when a characters are just dealt the worst hand and I'm like oh my gosh not in the terms of like a loved one dying because I hate that but like Yes. Their plan doesn't go right. They're at freaking rock bottom. They don't know what they're going to do. They're suffering from their consequences. They're like shunned from the group. They're exiled. They yes. are just living through the worst of it. And I'm like, yes, give me the character growth. But, like I'm ready. I'm ready for them to like meet to rise to the occasion. And it happens exactly 75% of the way through in terms yeah. of pacing. Um, it's going to t- toss them to there. So for example, when the Hunger Games, Rue is killed. Um, when she finds out like Louisa and me before you that he's not he hasn't changed his mind about his life if you know what I'm talking about um and then you have this thing called the whiff of death and so not that someone has to die but sometimes it does happen like that but really they have to think about it mm-hmm. and most there has to be the chance of loss and there's also the um the dark night of the soul and so if in star wars for example that's when yoda dies like there has mm-hmm. to be some form like, it's usually whoever like gave that advice like back in the day like the thematic thing the person that's been carrying them through and showing them the world that's when they lose that person that was talking them taking them through hand by yep. hand if they're in that kind of situation they're getting um those kinds of things which i think is like yeah such a good so, like in harry potter the all is lost is um that so the trio find out that Voldemort because they were spying on Snape, is about to get his hands on the stone. 
um, to give it to, which is being kept at the Hogwarts castle. And so to them, they're like, crap, well, like if Voldemort gets his hand on the stone, like we're going to go back to what it was before. Like people are going to die. Mm-hmm. So that's like the whiff of death. Yes. And like, for example, it's when like, um, so then going into the dark night of the soul, that's when like Elizabeth goes back home after Lydia and Wickham have just ran away together. And she's like, I really can never marry Darcy. Like when they have that conversation where she's like, Darcy, um, things are going great, but I literally, my sister has just run away with Wickham. And yeah, he's like, like she's ruining our family's reputation. And then he like gets all awkward about it. And then he leaves and gives her no closure. And then she goes home and she's like, um, so our whole family's ruined. And I just realized yeah. that I love this boy and we're gone. Like a death of a reputation. So that's when real change occurs lots of wallowing but it's a very important thing because yeah the dark night epiphany happens which i just right. think the character has to break through this to come out the other side stronger as a person one of the one of my favorite ways i've ever seen this happen and i think it might have been in almost a sandra bullock movie or something where like the character is in the darkest steps and then she's like brushing her teeth and i've never seen because remember i took a screenwriting class so a lot of this i was taught like with movies but like she's brushing her teeth and you just see like I've never seen so much facial expression because they're in the dark darkest depths and then they're just like analyzing and then all of a sudden you see her like oh my gosh like and it's just it's fascinating I can't even imagine writing that that sounds so crazy I know. but that's when the return um, to the familiar happens yeah so the dark night of the soul if you're we're, we're keeping all the Harry Potter trope trend yes, here go off, girl. Um, is that the kids try to go to Dumbledore for help to tell him that Snape's gonna get his hands on but of course Dumbledore has been called out of the castle and so like that is their call to action almost to like well it's up to us 11 year olds yeah and there's nowhere else you can go there's no grown-ups to like stand up for it or fight for you or anything yeah, like that McGonagall's not taking their like accusations seriously no one's listening to them yeah so then they have to go and that's where act three happens and so act one is the thesis of the status quo world act two is the antithesis or upside down world and then act three is the synthesis or the fusion of those yeah. two worlds who knew that you'd be listening to this podcast and would just be like us throwing information at you throwing information at you and we find it fascinating so it is so fascinating and i feel like now like since you guys are like patreon members i'm like now you guys know what we've been screaming about this whole time yeah. so um so if the midpoint was the crossroads of all things, then this final act is the blending of all things. So the hero will combine their act one self with their act two self to create a brand new and improved act three self. Friendships are repaired, relationships are mended, jilted lovers are reunited, A and B stories will meet again, but this time they'll intertwine and become one. And that's when they fight the final villain, which is whatever it is. So that is in Harry Potter, Harry knowing his destiny, like knowing his history with Voldemort and being like, maybe this was always supposed to be like this, his character from act one merging with his new, you know, wizard self from act two. And he like chooses to go down with Harry or with Roman Hermione. Yeah. To stop him. I love that. And that's where, um, so yeah, so it reacts, it resolves all the problems. And that's the whole purpose of breaking to three is to resolve all the problems created in act two and proves that your hero has learned the theme. And honestly, it's not a lot of the book. It's like, so act two is going to be 60% and this is like the last like 15 yeah. to 20%. So it's like super chill. But there's the five point finale, which does it break it down in there? Ooh. Um, it probably does. Let me actually like look at yeah, okay. It's on page 68 if you're following along with us. <laughs> so the if you want me to break it down like intensely, the finale for Harry Potter. Go for it. Do it. So it's point one, it's gathering the team. So in preparation for storming a real castle. Harry, Ron, and Hermione meet in the common room and have 
after everyone's gone to sleep, they get past Peeves and Neville, who tries to stop them. Then they have point two, which is executing the plan. They reach a third floor corridor to find the three-headed dog has already been um, lulled to sleep, and the trap door is open, which means Snape has already been there, and they might be too late. They head down after him. They get stuck in the uh, Devil's Snare, which is actually a B-story sacrifice for Ron with the wizard's chest and Hermione with the potion. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So that Harry the hero can get to the end and face whatever is there alone. Oh, yeah. Okay. They go through the Devil's Snare. They do wizard's chest and the potion. They do wizard's chest and the potions test. So each character is, you know, going doing their strong suit. They're going They're their strong suit. It's also at. like they each make their sacrifice, the B-story sacrifice. And that's usually where a lot of the secondary characters mm-hmm. make sacrifices for the cause. So literally Harry and Ron, or Hermione and Ron, literally go off. And it's just because the... Because he has to meet there, whatever's facing him alone, like most heroes do. And then you have the the high tower surprise. So usually in the finale, there's like some plot twist type thing that's going to come from out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's Harry expecting to find Professor Snape um, and seeing Professor Quirrell, who no one suspected at all. And it turns out he is the one working for Voldemort and plotting to get the stone. And Voldemort then, on the back of his head, like that, what a twist. So I always think about that um, when Fred and George Weasley had the garlic floating around his head and smacking the back of his turban. I'm like, they were smacking Voldemort in the face. Actually hilarious. Good. Good on him. Good right? on him. And then you have the point four, which is dig deep down, um, which is the mirror of a rise in the room and Quirrell makes him look into it, hoping Harry will help him find the stone. This time when Harry looks into the mirror, he sees himself hiding the stone in his own pocket. He lies until Quirrell so that all he sees is his, his own success at school. Success at school. Can I even talk? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the point five, the execution of the new plan. Voldemort commands, commands Quirrell to kill Harry, but Harry, now understanding his own power, reaches out and grabs Quirrell's face, which causes blinding pain to shoot through Harry's body. He passes out and wakes up in the school's infirmary. Dumbledore tells him that Quirrell is dead um, and Voldemort's gone. I love it. And I think that a lot of the times it's so important to have that five-point plan because I think when everything is just handed to the hero, it's a, it feels so false. It doesn't feel like a real victory. And we we want the external and internal. This is where the external and internal... Uh, what they've learned externally what they've learned internally come together in order to do it and like it's a celebration of Harry Ron and Hermione's friendship which is the core theme of the book um and the magic of friendship and that they all sacrifice to come together and if you also think about it like the Sorcerer's Stone like Harry was able to have a pure heart and not think about his family he was thinking about the greater thing but I think like it's so powerful because if you can deliver on that and show the reader that like they don't need that that thing that they previously had wanted that it's all worthwhile and they give that up and they like go through that's when that's when a book is truly satisfying and I think that's why Anne and I like people say we have great taste in books but I think it's because we these are we follow books that follow this format and deliver on that and so that's why we're like so nerdy yeah. about it and then we have the final image go for yeah. it the final image is just like um like Harry is boarding the Hogwarts Express at the end of the year he's going home a changed man you know and so the final image is just like the like the prologue. The prologue is the beginning. Wow. There of we go. The uh, the final <laughs> the yeah. final image is just like the epilogue of the book. Oh yeah. Which like can we please have another hundred pages of an epilogue for Harry Potter, please? Oh my gosh, I would die. I would live for that. I hate you when authors like, well, I just wanted to leave it to an up to interpretation. I'm like, but I want to know every yeah. single thing. I want to know how they're doing. I want to live in the world. Know all the plot points, all the characters, what they're up to in their day to day life, please. Yes. So, I mean, that's like the main thing that this book really goes over. And it just, that was the main thing why we wanted to talk about it is because it helps like, I don't know, it just helps them like 
it helps me understand the book and the movies. It helps you understand it. And then like the motivate, like for sometimes when a character comes out of like left field doing something that you don't expect, you're like, what the heck? Like, what could they be setting up? Oh yeah. You know, like it helps me at like, I have problems with the summer I turned to pretty series and the third book and how I'm bitter about it. But um, anyways, it kind of helped me understand a little bit having read Save the Cat, like what she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. at least in that sense of things mm-hmm. so oh yeah but the book is like really amazing it talks about like how to pitch it to people how to write killer log lines um it gives like really good formulas and it also just helps you like simplify your book so that it's not just a bunch of scattered like feelings and images and adventure in your head it's like that but yeah so I mean I think it's like this book is amazing but I I think this is enough for this is mainly all we talk about on the podcast I just wanted to make some form of a kit where I'm like hey if you want to know what, what the crap we talk about on our on our podcast this is the save the cat book mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so we've kind of been talking a lot but this since it's a patreon episode it's just gonna be longer and you guys are just gonna deal with it but um I want to go through your beat sheet and you can go through, like, we can go through my beat sheet. I just think that would be so fun to talk about. We don't have to get like super into depth about things, but. Okay. I'm into it. I just think that that would be so fun. If you ever plan to purchase a book from us in the future, like stop listening. (laughs) If we ever like sell this or whatever. I haven't set up. I haven't figured out the like, um, finale. So (laughs) do you want to workshop yours? Okay. Yeah. We can never mind first. Okay. So my, I don't even have a name for my book. I don't think you do. Either. I don't. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. I have no idea. I, mean, I do know. Mine is Irish fairy story. <laughs> yeah, mine is like, <laughs> mine is like a Scottish Irish, um, like island sea story. It's just cause we're both obsessed with that. Like we are obsessed with Ireland and we need to go on a trip for like writing research or something. Oh That's gosh, what I'm gonna... We have to go there. We have to go there. Anna, we have a s- decades of friendship. Like you are not, uh, we, we're past that point. Like I'm like, oh yeah, we're going. I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay. So get used to it. It's fine. There's a lot of characters in my book, but really you just need to know that the protagonist, the main character's name is Rayla. She has a twin brother named Cade and the companion slash antagonist for Rayla is going to be a guy named Flynn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Mm-hmm. Very excited. So basically, like the premise of the story is it's gonna kind of be like um I don't even know. I like can't even one shot like sell this. We have not log lined. We have not log lined. Um but basically it's gonna be not sailing, but it's Rayla and has been connected to the sea her whole life. And she understands the sea and not just any water, the sea you know, particularly very well. She can like, she can touch it with her body, with her hands and understand what it's not feeling exactly. The sea isn't exactly a character, but it kind of is. Anyways, it plays a large role of who she is and the certain power that she has. Okay. So, so the opening image is what you're saying is that homegirl and the sea BFFs. Yep. They have, she has a very, so the opening image I really wanted to do is like a flashback of Rayla and her twin brother, Cade on a small sailing boat um and they're on small little islands they like they're very comfortable you can tell that there's a close connection to the sea mm-hmm. and they're there to see um an orca migration because kayla or rayla loves orcas um yeah and so just as a character description like Cade is they're so opposite they're like split down the middle as a person like if they were a one person that's been split down the middle into two so Cade mm-hmm. is like overconfident super comfortable in, like who he is he's very happy with his life he you know he wants things in life and he's going to go after it and Rayla 
is like a super jaded person. She believes that the world owes her nothing, that it's going to take whatever it takes. As it, How are you like, going to show that? How are you going to show that, Anna? I want to know so bad. <laughs> Basically, just like they're just going to be-, be like, I'm a baddie. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be like, oh, Rayla, you're so jaded. Can't you Rayla, see the good that the world sister. has to offer? <laughs> Rayla, my sister that I'm related to, I'm four <laughs> years older than you. You're so jaded. <laughs> I hate when books do that, but yeah, I know it's probably like that. I've so read, like, we, we, will call, we will call each other, and, just if you're listening to this, we'll right. call each other and like read it. So I know Anna doesn't do this. I'm just teasing right. her. So I'm like, well, how? How is she not? Right. Keep going. So, um... For the theme stated, I can't decide yet exactly what theme I am going to state. I do know that I want Rayla's character journey throughout this book to be one of like self-acceptance of who she is and this power that she's always had. But I also, I don't exactly want to found family. I just want there to be people who come to know her that accept her for who she is because she's known in the village, like this little village that they live at, like people look at her weirdly and they don't trust her. And I mean, her and her brother are hired for really dangerous work, but they don't have very many friends. And so that's how they make a living. That's a really good way to do it. Mm -hmm. So her external struggle is that she wants to find her brother, right? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And her internal struggle is that she wants to be accepted. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, that's why we're here because we're simplifying the crazy thoughts in our head. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the setup, I like thought that this would be a cool way to do it, is going to be like a mix of flashbacks as Rayla is walking through the port to the boat. She hasn't been on in six months because um, her, I'll explain this. So her and Cade make their means by searching for resources from the cliff side when the tide is out and selling. It's like a really dangerous job. It's looked down upon. It's really hard to do. People die. It's like, it's almost like dredgers yeah. for um, the world of fable. Oh, Yes. Like, it's really hard to do, but it's really looked down on. Um, and so the whole section of this would be Rayla walking to the boat, having flashbacks of the last time she saw her brother. Because her brother went missing that day of the opening scene when they were at the orca, orca migration. And she doesn't she doesn't know if he's dead or what. He's just missing. I don't know if he's dead or what. I haven't decided yet. Actually, I have. But I won't tell you. And so then... Um, stop in the middle of the... Uh... The beach, she'll be like, well, and that's as far as I'm going. You'll have to read it. You'll have to maybe read it in <laughs> 10 years. Who knows? In 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm losing this being like, what the F is this? Guys, okay. you're our Patreon people. I'm sorry. We're just ourselves with you. This I is know, like, we're, 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 we're like 30 people are going to listen to this. And those people are like our friends. So. <laughs> yep. But so the whole reason that like she's going back onto the boat is because she got this note delivered to the place that she lives saying that like if you want to have answers about your brother meet me here and she had it's like a little island off the coast of where the port that she's on mm-hmm. and it's like important because she hasn't been on the boat since like Cade's gone missing like it's a big deal for her because she's been isolating herself from what she loves because she feels guilty of the you know losing her brother yeah and so that's the catalyst when I'm you sure meet- it's not an easy life when your brother is gone. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's alone. Like she's completely isolated and alone. Yeah. And so the catalyst is Rayla then going to, to you know, she goes to this island. She meets this guy named Flynn, <clears throat> who is basically like, I work for someone. I think it's called, I think I called him Calder. Yeah. Captain Calder. He's like a crime Lord. And so he's like, I work for this person and if you, you know, we have information about your brother and if you want this information, you will help my boss and me find this lost city, um, called, I can't remember what it's called. 
I definitely don't know what it's called. <laughs> oh, Lemuria. Found this, it's like kind of like the Lost City of Atlantis, right? This Lost City of Lemuria, where it's said to hold like untold treasures, and there is this power source there that like people want to get their hands on. It could change the world, or I don't know if it's gonna be. It's gonna be something. I like that. that. World changing. Yeah. They just have really good hot soft pretzels there, and everyone just wants a bite. They just have really good hot soft pretzels. That's really what he's looking for. Just like, oh, I'll sail the world for that. Right. So the catalyst is then, um, you know, Rayla being like, okay, well, like I, you know, this journey being thrown to her, and then the debate is her. Literally, this is like we could put like a fire at her throat. Like you know how literally in Fable, like Homegirl was running to yep. the ship i think there needs to be like because she's alone like some crap is going on and she literally has no choice because oh i don't God, think that she would that. i don't think she would just go with him being like yeah. you might have my brother great i'll help you find you know what i mean i think yeah. that like she's got some crap going on because she's alone that's just like forced her to be like okay i literally have no choice i have to go okay i love that idea because is way too smart like she's way too yeah. smart she's not about to just be like okay sure i'll just go like she does not but she has no choice i think she has to have no choice that's my opinion okay i like that idea a lot actually so yeah so then the debate is her choosing to go or not and she eventually has to um and then they have to get the, the supplies and then break into two and then you have the b story of like um they're gonna be on a big ship like it's not really gonna be it's more focused on the seat. So they're going to be on a big ship with a big crew and you're not going to really get to meet a total, like a ton of the crew. Um, but Rayla is like being targeted by a lot of the crew there because one, she's weird. And so, right. People always want to attack weird people. And she, Blame what like, weird means. <laughs> well, like she can do things that aren't normal, right? Like she does this dangerous job and she has this connection with the sea. And like, it, she just gives off this eerie vibe of like, she's just different and people know it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And so they kind of like, like, maybe like with her, I'm like in telling you what to do with your book. I think it'd be really cool if you ever did any perspective from Flynn's perspective, which mm. you did. Oh gosh, that'd be amazing. But, um, I would love, I think it'd be cool for a temperature change in the room, like for people. Cause she has the ability over water. Yeah. That could be really cool. I was thinking of giving her like a huge, um, birthmark that looks like a tattoo on her back like and that goes down her arms okay that's cool I like that something noticeable that people see that just kind of weirds them out but I have not decided on that yet but no what but there's bad vibes and she's getting bullied there's bad vibes and she's getting bullied and Flynn basically has to be like if any one of you touches her know that like you will feel the wrath from me and so he kind of like stakes his claim of protection on her but like pisses her off and she's like I can take care of myself and he's like I'd like to see you try a print like it's very like they're very banter filled yes and they're also both ridiculously hot Oh, yeah. Oh, you want to hear their uh, character descriptions? Yes. So Rayla is going to have light brown hair um, that is, like, very lived in and streaked with gold from the sun. And she's got lots and lots of freckles. Um, mm-hmm. And I want her eyes to look like whatever sea she's around. <gasps> so, like, if the sea is stormy, I want her eyes to be dark blue if she's in, like, I mean, not that she'll ever be in tropical seas, but, like, I want her eyes to be light. Like, I just want her eyes to reflect the sea. I love like, that. Always. That is so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. She's very short because, you know, I got to get my short representation in there. You do. You do. I respect it. I respect yeah. it. That TikTok you sent me. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> she said, <laughs> Anna sent me a TikTok of like, of like us, like our literal height difference. And like, she just looks right. over her head like, where are you? And I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. so funny. Literally yeah. Is. So yeah, she's got to be short. I respect it. And then Flynn has, he's got dark red hair. It's super long. It's pulled in, not super long. It's long, but pulled into a bun. 
um, at the nape of his neck. He's got light stubble, hazel eyes, like pools of honey. Maybe five eight. Possibly has a scar in his face above his lip. Five eight. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> you're basically describing Jalen, yes? Or is he tall? Not have red hair, but basically, yeah. And Jalen, I don't know what color hair he is because you say he has blonde hair, and I'm Jaylen so. Jalen has, <laughs> has blonde hair, but he has, he grows a red beard. It's to weird. be fair, I don't, I think it's because he grows a red beard, but I like don't stare at your husband. So I think that's why yeah. it is. Like, I literally don't know what color hair Jalen has. So like when- He's like, got blonde hair. Blonde hair. Like dirty blonde. So confused. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I just need to like stare at your husband more and be like, Jalen, yes. You do have blonde hair. <laughs> it's fine. I just feel like it's darker than in my head, but I think it's because my husband has blonde hair, but he has straight hair. Does Jalen have curly hair? He just has thick hair thick hair I don't know this is so irrelevant I've interrupted you 80 times right oh you're I don't care you're fine um I'll like end it on this is like so the B story is them like they have to work together because Calder is super paranoid so the crew doesn't know what they're actually doing so only Rayla and Flynn really know what they're doing and I think probably the captain of the ship is um and so they're like always in close quarters together they're having to work out a plan they're having to figure things out and like work together um and I love that part. And then, yeah, the fun and games, just them searching for Lemuria. They, they go to three or four different places and give it them works, scene. it doesn't work. Give them one scene. Just give them. Give oh, them yeah. I do have one scene where um, there are, so they're out of this location and it's location that people have, you know, don't really go to. It's supposed to be cursed. There years ago have been wars and battles fought um, at this location and, you know, like, thousands of people have died and, and dozens of ships have sank. And it's just very, like, ominous. So they get there and they jump into the water hoping to search around. And, like, Rayla is blasted by, like, the force of the sea. Like, it's so angry. It's, you know, it's mad. It's had all these years of of death and um, hatred, you know, swimming around it and through it and people's emotions. And so, like, it's, like, it just hits her and, like, takes her through this, like, rip current. And she's, like, fighting it and battling it and trying to, like, overcome it with her mind and be, like, no, like, it's it's okay. And um, she gets, like, torn up in the process that, like, drags her across the bottom of the seafloor. And Flynn has to, like, help her up back onto the ship. And there's going to be a moment where she, like, she's trying to take a bath to wash all the coral off or else she's going to get, like, an infection. And he comes down and he's, like, like it's the first tender moment they have and he's gonna like wipe her back off for her and they're gonna be vulnerable with each other and it's gonna be beautiful i'm just already petting the tech, but he helps her through it i want you to read literally like just oh you want me to read it okay yeah i bet you anybody listening to this will be like well just just read it i'm gonna i will read it for you if you don't like i'll be like i'm here <laughs> i'll read a little section of it since it's kind of long angry sea panic attack is that the part you're at mm-hmm Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. I'll just start at the beginning and I'll, I probably won't finish it, but we'll you see. should start at the water. It was my breathing. That one, that part. Okay. Where is that part? I will highlight it for you. My tummy baby. Help me. <laughs> I'm like right here. I'm in this document with you. We're good. Okay. 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 So the sea, she's had this experience with the sea, right. And it's freaked her out. Um, and she's, she like is pulled back onto the deck and Liam or not his name was used to be Liam it's Flynn now but <laughs> we accidentally named both of our main characters yep. Liam and I was like why are we like this why are they both named Liam it's fine <laughs> you have a problem but so Flynn is like helping her kind of like throw up her water he had to give her like CPR 
And so he's like, you need to get it all up. I heard him say, the more you get out, the less you'll have to worry about fever. I heaved once again. My mind still felt muddied from losing consciousness and from taking on the darkness of the sea. I leaned back onto the deck of our ship. I, I sputtered, trying to explain what had happened. To explain the overwhelming emotions of the sea, the water, it was... My breathing was coming in short gasps now. The blood started pounding in my ears. How could I explain the agony of the sea to make him understand? The years and years of turmoil. My mind flashed again to the war. Bodies everywhere, bloodied. Some with missing limbs floating in the waters. Sinking to the ocean floor to taint this one's beautiful reef. Bile rose in my throat again. I tried to push it down. My vision started to defocus, becoming round and glossy. I was breathing harder now, like I couldn't get enough oxygen to my lungs. The feeling from the sea threatening to overtake me once again. I could feel Liam place his hand on my cheek. The roughness of his palm was surprisingly gentle, his thumb slowly moving back and forth across the surface, his fingers behind my ear reaching up into my hair. I tried to focus on his face, but all I could see were the red waters. Rayla, look at me. Um, Flynn firmly said, moving his face closer to mine. Just inches above, tears started to stream down my face. Oh, gods. The last thing I needed to do was cry. I tried to look at him steady, but my eyes wouldn't stop moving. I couldn't focus on his own. I need you to breathe with me, Rayla. Can you do that? Flynn asked, nodding his head to show me what he needed. Breathe with him. I could do that. But I started feeling pins and needles in my arms. I needed to move them to get this restless feeling out. Rayla, darling, I need you to focus on me. Flynn grabbed my arms with his other hand and held it close to him. Darling, I looked back at him, finally able to focus on his own amber eyes. Okay, I said through short breaths. I can, I can breathe with you. Flynn started taking slow, short breaths. I worked on trying to match them. We stayed like that for a while. Uh, Flynn kept his hands on my face, gently moving his thumb across my cheek the whole time, when finally the tears stopped and my breathing slowed down. I registered the position we were in, Liam bending down, his body hovering above my own, his face just inches above mine, the warmth of his hand on my, my face. Sentence, my favorite sentence ever, right? always, whenever I read that in a book, I'm like, faces <laughs> are inches from each other! Inches! <laughs> but how close are their faces? Face, the way I gripped his other arm, I closed my eyes. I can breathe, I'm fine, I whispered. Chambering deep in my gut, to be shown so fragile to someone like Flynn was something I'd never be able to live down. Yep, that's all I'll give okay. you. Okay, yep. Oh, there's so much. It's so fun. Right. More. Right. More. More. Right. More. Yeah, that's all I have. Not that's all I have for my beat sheet, but that's like all I'm going to get into without like major spoilers. I think it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your beat sheet. I feel like I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm like satisfied. I'm like, we can always just like save my part for next time if we want to. break it up into I'm two. I'm just happy and, like, like to save the cat for the first half of Patreon and then the second half is us like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be really cool. I don't know. I We can record it now and then like yep. figure it out editing yeah. later. If you want to just look at the time and keep track of it. Okay. I almost think that my daughter and stuff. If they come through, they we'll come just through, end we'll it and it. we'll be good. Yeah. We'll just record the exit the exit later <laughs> like, <eat bite. laughs> I'm like bye see you later okay cool because uh okay so how do I even explain my book because the only way that I can explain it in my world like in, to myself is that it's little women like Joe and her sisters but it takes place in it's a fantasy version of Ireland from the 1790s so like yeah. just to give people Love like that. it's Northern Ireland I have like an exact place on Google Maps that has like what it where exactly it is and so just to set the scene um you've got this like this amazing family I'll just kind of read it um the sisters mother and father in a beautiful home on the coast of Ireland their mom teaches them stories about Faye and songs and they love her oh yeah I'm just doing the opening image so basically long story short yeah it's it's an Irish it's an Irish like sister story about with obviously a friends to lovers like romance 
but the mm-hmm. big thing about it is that she develops the ability she gets a power and like she has all of these things but it's in a it's in a place where like the fae are really bad and they take they take things from people and so for her to have this power is just so ridiculously confusing and she doesn't know what to do with it and she's constantly warring between do i go forward in this power or do i give up this power or do i give up this and um like just stay with my family and stuff like that and she's torn between that and that's like what the story is but i've really um it's fun because like as i've been writing i've been like learning so much about this world and it's funny because a lot of it is changing but this is what it is at the moment so the opening image is that it's her mother and she's like the the mother's telling a story around a a fireplace and it's kind of like where you're introduced to the world and like why the rules of the world so you're like understanding like the fae and the taking and like all these things but while it's happening you see um their family so like she's got three sisters who are just like adorable and fun and they all have their each individual personalities she's got a father and she's got a mother and the mother's like telling the story and like there's just something incredible and magnetic about her that you're just like you just love the mother and um the big thing that happens in this town is the taking so they can live in this world but um and it's they're protected by the fae because they live so close to the fae but the issue is that every five years in like on a night in may they take the taking happens which is where they take one of the fae um or sorry they take one of the members of the town it doesn't matter who but one person like they wake up everybody wakes up and the next day someone's gone um and of course, because this is a Disney movie, um, who gets taken is the mother, but it's kind of strange because it's not the day that they're supposed to be taken. This is like in March or April, if we were like to do like chronological time. And so, but what's weird is like that happened, she's disappeared, she's gone, but there is no taking, um, that year. And so the girls are like, I don't, we don't know what happens. And that's a big struggle they have is that they don't know a lot about the sealy and the unsealy there but for some reason someone's like they've taken their mother and so like her mother's gone they've mourned her you know all that stuff and so like it fast forwards to two years later because who wants to live through that grief right am i right it's just supposed to be that character development but (laughs) we're just working on that external conflict and internal conflict but what you have is you have three really awesome sisters or sorry four sisters that love each other so much the young and they live in this town called lockmart and um one night this is kind of, so that's my opening image. The theme stated is basically what the mom says to them before they leave. The setup is Lockmart. So it's the town the girls live in, their way of life, the community love, and the relationship that they have they fa- of their father. The conflict is that um, there's this neighboring town that is legitimately trying to wage war on them. And there's always been this conflict and stuff like that. Um, and then there's the fear of the Fae. Don't enter the forest at night. There's very specific rules. The father is slightly protective and she wants to be free and explore and stuff like that, but she also wants to protect her sisters. Um, so something very crazy happens to make it so that way they realize they need to go find out what's going on in the neighboring town because some like suspicious stuff is happening. So she volunteers with like five or sorry, with not eight other people like that are around her age because they didn't want like young kids to do it. They didn't want like the people that were working jobs that were necessary to do it. So like they did it. So they go to spy and suddenly like things get crazy. That's like one of my, that's one of my, that's the catalyst. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes I've ever. It's so good. It's freaking psycho. Like it's It's scary. You like, you're so confused and you're like, I just want everyone to come out of this. Like I would totally read it. Like I'm like, I don't know what scene to read, but like, that was like one of my favorite scenes to be like, holy freaking crap. So trying 
trying to escape. She runs into the forest and she runs deeper than she's ever been before. Um, and I've realized now it's because it's they're out during witching hour and during witching hour, like the unseelie, there's no rules. Like it's, mm-hmm. you're there. She sees some fey things, some really dark stuff, like some crazy stuff happens. She smacks straight into a stone and then like is unconscious. So that's the catalyst. She wakes up the next day and she starts to realize that she has this ability to like Alina style from Shadow and Bone, because come on, we take inspiration from everything. Right. Um, and she realizes that she has this power with light and it's while all this is happening, she's, the town is like trying to figure out what to do. So she suddenly has this ability to, um, this is as far as I've gotten in terms of like writing the full book, but she, her sisters are so upset with her because like, they want her home. They want her like to not, they just lost their mother. They don't want to do this again. And, um, there's like a loss that happens in the community the night that same night. And she, she's like, I can't, but also like, she starts to realize that the Wickham, they find out that Wickham, the neighboring town and um, the Unseelie are partnering up together. And what she realizes is that she might have the only chance that they have to protect her town. Mm-hmm. And so she's starting to be like, what do I do? So that's when um, I have not gotten this far yet, but she's going to start discovering like this, like yeah. realm she's going to explore the fey world and explore her powers and like go through it and that's like i'm so excited and so terrified to write that part because i have no freaking idea yeah. like what's going to happen because i never really read any fey books in fact like it's funny i wrote this before i read akatar i mean i don't think there's a lot of similarities between akatar yeah yeah i don't think i like write anything that's like sarah j Mossish in terms of like courts but i do think like i'm interested in seeing what it is but um yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like you can make it your own. Like you have the Unseely and the Seely Court, which I mean, are things that have been written before, but they've it's always been different. Like there's no status quo on them, you know. And I think it's nice that I don't know enough. And so these will be named different things. Like it won't be Seely and Unseely. It'll be completely fictional. What I'm doing is I'm taking from my Irish heritage and just like building up. And like Ireland's just like a kind of a like a template that I'm doing, and then eventually it'll be named something different. Everything, you know, because this is the first draft, but. I have no idea. I'm very excited. Make whatever you want. I'm so excited to see where it goes. I am too. The like characters you've made are so fun. I really like the characters. Love him. Liam's great. Liam is just a little big. He is my husband. I just wrote my husband in a book because that's the easiest thing to do. Well, and Liam is like I kind of he's kind of a little similar to Maul too, and just in the sense of like he's just a dude. Like he's just a realistic dude character who has a best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about her? Cares about her. If I was to read a scene, which one would I should I do? Should Ooh. I do like the, the midsummer festival scene, or should I do the um? Do the um? Do the one where she's running in the woods. Okay. This is gonna be crazy. Okay. Irish. It's so funny, like sharing this. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is all my. This is personal things I've written this is super weird but we're good and it's so fun because like I like it would be cool to see mm-hmm. it's still loading the pages it's so funny because I did that earlier and then we were at 90 90 pages and so it's just like loading and I'm like this is weird this is 98 pages I'm like okay so you want the the scene yeah okay where should I start is it like right after she's been doing the spying yeah do you like right like at, so like Something happens, they're found out, and then they're running through the woods. Yes. Okay, so she's spying, and they, like, 
it's so I didn't know that I, it was possible for me to write this but it was so much fun I'm grabbing the shot sorry I'm like going through like 45 and you're right too like there's like it's a serious book but there are funny things like when she knocks herself out on the rock and you're like oh my gosh she like has this so like um she gets like two black eyes from it and like it like scares like at first like like people, people see her and they're like oh. <laughs> yeah and then like there's another part where um some, which you'll read about this part I'm about to read the scene where she gets like what looks like a hickey but it's just a bruise from what it is and like they won't they like her family like cease like would not stop touching her oh my gosh what if Liam like saw it what if Liam was like what have you been doing like, like uh are you okay She's like, yeah, why? okay 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 so right now she is just in place. They're in the town of Wickham. That she's her job, and they split into groups of three. And her her group of three people it's Kara, Leon, and um, herself. And they're under. Which is this is actually probably going to be a big spoiler, but it's fine because none of you guys are going to actually read this book. It's just whatever. By the time it comes out, there's going to be a lot of other stuff that's going to happen too. And if you don't want to listen to it, then just skip ahead, and it's fine. Or just stop listening. It's fine. Um, <laughs> But so basically it says, so she's sitting underneath the, what is it called? The taverns like windows. And she, there's this couple that's there and they're like mingling near it. And she's trying to be like super quiet. And that's like another funny part because she's like super deeply uncomfortable because she's like, oh my gosh. And then she's like, oh, as she goes, so she gets really nervous and she goes, she pulled him close to her laughing. As they locked into an embrace, I felt awkward and then realized they were completely oblivious to us. I breathed a sigh of relief, then realized I needed to get out of here. On my stomach, I inched slowly to Leon, trying to make sure the ground didn't give away. By the way, this is not the main love interest. So no, Leon, Leon, not Leon. Not Leon. I'm so sorry. I probably will change that in the future, but that's what's happening. It's fine. So Leon's just some random dude from town. Mm -hmm. um, trying to make sure the ground didn't give away any signs of my efforts. We needed to get back soon. My hands were covered in earth and I prayed that the couple would continue being distracted. I got to Leon and shook his foot. He merely nodded me off. So he's asleep and she's like been jokingly annoyed at him this whole time. Mm -hmm. I shook his shoulders, pleading that he would come to awareness. When his eyes opened to my face, shock and apology were apparent and I smirked at him. Now time to grab Kara. We both inched around the back, avoiding the lights and shadows that danced along the forest floor, leading, leaking from the tavern's windows. I prayed that the music would be a little louder, the air, the ale a little stronger, and the talk a little more focused. Kara. As we turned the corner to see Kara, she had her head back focused. So they, they start walking and they're going through. I'm just trying to get back to it. And so they've just like found out enough information for her to move on. And they're like, okay, we got to go back. We're so close. So as soon as Kara got to us, we all crawled from the diagonal edge of the corner to the, of the tavern into the woods where the darkness was thick. I inched a little ahead of them, nervous and shaking from the adrenaline of the night because there had been like a lot of close calls. We were so close, back to Clara, back to Father, back to warm bed and safe town. The ocean's calm call and the religion of measuring herbs. I could almost taste it. Snap. I looked back behind me at Leon. His hands were frozen on the ground below him. He looked back at me, accusing. I was confused. Who was the one that snapped that twig? Kara was right next to him, looking just as bewildered. Snap. I was staring at them. None of us had moved. My body was paralyzed as I realized that it wasn't us snap the crunch of a twig beneath a foot was right between us snap but we couldn't see anyone or anything snap snap i felt a pull at the nape of my shirt my body being lifted a hot breath against my neck thought you could spy unknowingly leon's eyes widened as a stark shrouded figure materialized almost transparent and unearthly in the deep darkness of the night it dropped me hard to the ground run 
The mess of its mouth twisted into a smirk. It liked to play with its food. At that opportunity, my legs fumbled to stand and I took everything in me to run as far as I could. It didn't matter where I was going. I just needed to get far, far away from here. It was 3 a.m. I realized with a twist. We were in the forest during witching hour. My lungs were pleading with me as the adrenaline pulsed through my body, heart beating and alive in the fear of what we would see next. Leon and Kara weren't far behind me, and I felt us try to stay together as we felt the voices of the night come alive. We were in unseelie territory. My feet were so loud. My breath was so heavy. There was no way to be quiet, be sneaky when the forest was so alive, so aware. There was no way. I couldn't get those hooded glowing embers out of eyes out of my head. The twisted grin lit by the varying moonlight. Breathe. Breathe, I whispered to myself. You just have to make it out of unseelie territory. You just have to make it through the hour when they are unbound. But I could hear the whispers like waves threatening to drown me, coming closer, teasing me, and then dissipating like ashes in a windstorm. I heard Clara screaming, torturing me. To my left, I saw a woman with bleeding red hair, tangled and torn, eyes hungry and teeth sharp. I ran as quickly as I could, looking behind me to make sure that Leon and Kara were all right. And that's when I saw Leon fall. He didn't trip. He was pushed by some unseen force. I heard laughter mocking as his head looked at us and sheer fear. And then I saw his neck twist at an angle it shouldn't have. So quickly, the light left his eyes. Laughter surrounded us, bubbling and echoing in the woods. Kara screamed and I bit my lip to contain my fear. I pushed harder through the woods, not even watching my steps, legs aching, my side pleading to stop. But the fear of what I had just seen had pushed me forward. The sound so, so loud in my ear. I was so blind to the night. I ran through tangled bushes in the thick forest, the leaves tearing at my hands, my arms, my legs. Small cuts were forming, but I ignored them as I moved out of the woods, running, running, running. I moved into what looked like the shape of dark boulders. Were they fey? Were they alive? There were so many boulders. Their silhouettes lit by the moonlight. Where was I? I, I heard a voice that called my name and turned. I saw nothing behind me. Kara was gone. It was so dark. Isla. The voice in my name again, and I ran the voice of my name again and I ran full force away from it again Leon's face bleeding in my mind and ran straight into something hard light flashed in front of me like it was noonday something pulsed inside of me shocking me and the world went dark chills literal chills every time I hear that you're so freaking nice I'm like ah my favorite scene so far is the midsummer scene mm. it is a good one I'm excited. But yeah, that one was like, it's funny because I didn't expect this book to be as dark as it, as it is, but I have been listening to Evermore as I've been writing it. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> you did it to yourself. You're I'm right. like, I just wrote a funeral scene. What is wrong with me? <laughs> like, beautiful. It was hauntingly beautiful. Ugh. People are going to be like a dark, twisted mystery. And I'm like, how did I, how did I write a dark, twisted mystery? How did I get here? What? You're going to be like, how did I get here? You'll have good moments too. You just have to get to that part. I think it'll be cool. I think the first set it could be dark and then like maybe I'll just add in some jokes in there. Like be like, this is totally, this is totally fun, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it is, we're both writing this because therapeutic, so. Right, yeah. Ugh, I just need to have more time to do it. Do it. Do it. So fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us. This is super fun to talk about. Yeah, this is chill. This is chill. Now we have to go get these episodes out, but you guys are great. We love you. We love you. Thanks for yeah. listening to us. If you like have more questions about Save the Cat, or even if you hear this and you just want to like stroke our egos and be like, hey, uh, so that <laughs> book you're writing is amazing. Let's talk about it. Yes, everybody personally text Anna and tell her to keep writing because I'm like, Anna, I want to know what happens. Give me more scenes. <laughs> that's like my favorite part. I think that's what's really cool about our friendship is that like we have this little part of us where it's like, okay, you share your part. Okay, you share your part. And it's just so your fun part. to like, I like discovering Anna like this. It's really cool. So yeah. Fun. Okay. Like this. Goodbye. I never know how to finish Everyone. this correctly.
farewell. <laughs> I just watch a ton of music and I'm like, <laughs> that's like stuck in my head. <laughs> fine. It's fine. Okay. Goodbye. 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 When will I see you again? <laughs> oh, never. Never. <laughs> well, maybe sometime tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> What's wrong with us? It's fine. Goodbye. Okay. We'll see you next time. I feel like Bye. it's. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye.